from Green Biz Group, welcome to Center Stage, the best of live interviews from Green Biz events. I'm Joel McCower. When businesses stepped forward during the Paris Climate Agreement, everybody else said, oh, they're in it. And everybody else followed along. So I think that is the call to action right now for the Green Biz community. It's how can we actually all rally together and support and move forward. And believe me, you have a lot of people are waiting and supporting and cheering you on when you step into your power. Fian Trong is former president of DreamCorps. GreenBiz Vice President and Verge Executive Director Shauna Rappaport sat down with her at GreenBiz 19 in Phoenix, Arizona, while she was still leading the organization. They discussed the role of business leaders in breaking down silos and leading environmental justice actions. Let's listen in. Hello. Hi, everybody. So we have been talking a lot this week about diversity and inclusion in everything from workforces, global supply chains, and what I'm really honored and excited to really dig into right now is the topic of environmental equity. And I can't think of anyone else with whom I would rather have this conversation uh, than you, Vien. And, and really to talk about what you and your colleague Van Jones speak often about, which is what will it take to really build a clean, green economy that's strong enough to lift people out of poverty? So Vien, talk a little bit about the Dream Corps, your mission with the organization, and how you define environmental equity. Yeah, so the Dream Corps' mission is to close prison doors and to open doors of opportunity. We have been doing incredible work so far. So our Cut 50 team has been doing um, incredible work. They passed eight, eight laws alone just last year to close prison doors, including at the federal level, the First Step Act, which, have anybody heard about the First Step Act? Okay, y'all are not following Kim Kardashian then. Um, so we worked with her, we worked with Van, we worked with a bunch of folks. First step back, the New York Times called the most um, important criminal justice reform in a generation. We just got passed last year. Um, our Yes We Code work has been helping to connect young people from disadvantaged communities to opportunities in tech. And then Green for All, we've been part of shaping the Green New Deal for over a decade now to helping to develop policies at the federal, state, and local levels across the country. Um, it's what I've been doing and what I hope we can dive a little bit more into today. Yeah, well, you've had a really unique personal journey. Like, give us a little window of insight into your own story and why this work matters so much to you personally. It's a deeply personal issue for me, this work, because I grew up as the youngest of 11 kids. Let me just let that sink in. Yeah. Um, and my parents were refugees from Vietnam. When we first came here, the only jobs that my non-English speaking parents could find were working on farms. They picked strawberries and snow peas when I was a child, and they graduated to working in sweatshops. That's what they did from the time I was three until the time I was in college. Um, and so I grew up in Oakland, one of the most impoverished and polluted communities in this country still. And the work that we've been doing is how to address the issues that we see in the communities that I have grown up in. So let me paint a little picture of that for you. Where I live is Fruitvale, California. Many of you might have heard of it because of Oscar Grant, who was murdered at Fruitvale Station, right down the street from my house. My community is surrounded on all sides by freeways and highways. Because of that, we have um, basically these refineries on wheels going past our homes all day, every day. And that makes one out of four kids in our community have asthma. 
Not only that, we have found out that the dry cleaners just two blocks down the street from my house was having, storing these large vats of chemicals underground. We found out recently that they were leaking chemicals into the soil. Our community is called the fruit veil. We historically have been reliant on the fruits and vegetables that we grow in our community in order to sustain our diets. We're still figuring out how much chemicals are in the food, are in the soil. In 2016, right after Christmas 2016, I had just come back from Flint, Michigan, helping to work with the communities there to address some of the lead poisoning that they've been seeing. And national news broke that Fruitvale, California, my zip code in particular, 94601, actually had higher lead poisoning in our bloodstreams than Flint, Michigan. Not because of the water, but because of the lead paint chips and the old housing stock. And because all of this stuff, the East Bay community, the East Bay Magazine actually set, did a, um, a mapping system which figured out what the life expectancy is for different communities in the Bay Area. Because of where I live, both the poverty and the pollution and the factors coming together, my life and the life of my family is projected to live 12 years less than families that live seven miles away. And to me, I mean, that's, can you wrap your mind around 12 years? That's from kindergarten to high school, through high school to college. Imagine losing all of those years. And not because of how much food you, like healthy foods you eat, not because of the choices you make that are bad or good, but just because of the demographics and the zip code of which you live in. So for me, this fight is about how do we address that fundamentally? Yeah, and so much of your work too, I mean, the nature of these issues are so deeply intersectional. Much of your work is really about building bridges. I mean, even just looking at the three organizations that are a part of the Dream Corps, you know, how do you think about climate change through the lens of building bridges with the kind of communities that you work with from interfaith communities to, um, you know, prison reform organizations to coal miners? What's the role of building bridges and what's, what's kind of the theory of change behind that. Yeah. Well, we know that for too long our communities have been operating in silos and we have lost a lot of power because of that. And when we begin to understand, I mean, just in, uh, just in painting the picture of the Fruitvale, you begin to see the interconnections of everything from the social justice issues, the lack of access to economic opportunities, which then resorts to people in the community being left without any other means but to make sometimes foolish decisions. Um, and then being couched within a community that is literally trapping us in poison, right? From the contamination in the soils to the contamination in our air. So we see and understand these issues to be deeply interconnected. And we began to actually step back and say, not only how can we be so myopically focused on our own little thing, but how can we actually build power together? That has been the reason why we've been able to win some incredible campaigns, including helping to um, lead and then pass one of the greatest, one of the biggest funds in history for low-income communities to green up. Yeah. And that was because, you know, we worked together. Yeah. And I feel, bringing it home here to GreenBiz, I mean, I feel like a lot of the people representing this community, the companies that you all represent, have an interest, a commitment in advancing social and environmental equity. And it's, it's kind of hard to know where to start. So, I mean, thinking about sort of the message to this community, what are, what are some of the low-hanging fruits? One to two, three things, of like good places to start. And what are maybe some stories of companies that you see that are really paving the way or, or maybe even at this point setting gold standards in how to really take leadership on this? 
what I've learned in my personal life and what I've learned in my work is there are so many people who want to and can do much more and do greater stuff. I've been given a chance in my life because some people believed in me, right? And I think we now have a lot of community-based organizations in your communities that just needs you guys to believe in them, just needs a hand out, right? Yes, thank you. And so reach out to the organization in your community. And if you don't even know who they are, ask around. Who's doing some really good work here? We're trying to do some work around environment or justice. Who's some good organizations? And by doing that, you'll find out the organizations that actually can be partners in your work. And so when, when we were a scrappy young organization nobody believed in, um, some companies came out to us and said, how can we be supportive? One more recently is Ecos, Earth-Friendly Products. They do a lot of detergents and family household um, products. And they said, what can we do? At the time, we were creating an art campaign with kids because we we're like, kids need to have creativity and arts. And you know, we now have this country of leaders who can't see a vision that is not dismal, right? We wanted to tap into something beautiful and lovely and creative. So we had an arts contest for kids. And with Ecos, we're now putting the kids' um, visions and drawings of what a beautiful future can look like on the, on the packaging labels of their detergent bottles. So that when consumers go and buy their products at Target or in the club stores, you're gonna see the kids' pictures of the future. And then you're, when you buy it, you're investing in a climate justice campaign and helping to actually advance that future for kids. So that's what can happen when you reach out to a locally-based organization and find collaborations together. It's a win-win for everyone. But Ecos as a company is also a really interesting story. I remember what you shared with me a couple of weeks ago over lunch about the leader of that organization and what they're doing. Maybe you can paint a little picture yeah. of that as well. I love the CEO. Her name is Kelly Vlahakis, African-American woman, half African-American, half Greek, family-owned business, and they are zero waste, carbon neutral, water neutral, and they pay a living wage, and they're a global company. It's never been done before. Um, but by her doing it, I think that's an example of it can be possible when you step into leadership. And I hope Kelly's watching because I'm her biggest fan. <laughs> that's awesome. What, what's sort of the larger aspirational vision that you hold, again, specifically when it comes to the, the role, the responsibility, the opportunity that large companies have to play in really advancing environmental equity? Yeah, you know, I think about... Well, first, I think about the fact of where we are today, right? No one, no one's surprised about the UN report that came out saying we have 12 years left to really do something massive to reduce pollution if we're gonna avoid climate catastrophe. We kind of already knew that. That should, that should put us into a sense of urgency. And now we have the question of who's gonna do it and how do we get there? We're all excited about the Green New Deal and what that means and tying the race forward or policy to science. And then everybody's asking the question, well, gosh, we hope they can do it. No, no, the call for us all in this room, and the reason I'm here is because we really need the leaders in this room to step up into your power. We need you to step up into your power to do more. And I'm sorry to do it, because I know and I can already tell you guys have been doing a lot of work in your companies and your businesses. Um, and you guys are tasked with an incredible goal with very small resources, very small teams probably. And I can see already the amount of effort and love and muscle you've put into this. But right now we have 12 years left. And communities like mine, when my family is literally dying, when we are losing 12 years of our lives, 
and not only our communities, but across the country, we know that. We now have a need for you to step forward and to really lead the way. We saw when businesses do that during the Paris Climate Agreement, when they stepped forward and said, no, no, because everybody, you know, I just came back from Congress yesterday, I was testifying um, around this issue to the, um, the Senate, the Congressional Subcommittee on Energy, and they're really all saying, well, businesses will lead the way, right? Um, if you're waiting for someone else to save us, let me just tell you, those are not, that's not forthcoming. But when, when businesses stepped forward during the Paris Climate Agreement, everybody else said, oh, they're in it. And everybody else followed along. So I think that is the call to action right now for the GreenBiz community. It's how can we actually all rally together and support and move forward. And believe me, you have a lot of people are waiting and supporting and cheering you on when you step into your power. I want to dig a little bit deeper into that because it's a beautiful vision, it's a powerful call to action, and I feel like, for me, part of the opportunity in this conversation, in having it here at GreenBiz, is like really getting a couple layers deeper. Like, what do you mean when you say do more? What do you mean when you say step up? Like, when we think about going home after today, everyone's going to go back to their day jobs on Monday, they're going to be synthesizing everything that came up this week. Like. What does that actually look like, both on a micro and a macro scale when it comes to what these change agents within their companies and their companies representing change agents within their industries, like how, how? Mm -hmm. Well, easy thing is, can you commit within the next three months to look for a community-based organization in your community and just sit down and have lunch or coffee even and just say, what do I need to know about what you're seeing or experiencing in the community? What is your biggest challenge? How do you see a potential for us to help? Not even commit to helping, I know that's a big step, but can you commit to having that lunch or that coffee in the next three months? Maybe even more than one. And then beyond that, you know, hopefully that evolves into something. But second, reach out to you know, another, uh, another organization around how you can be part of helping to advance this dialogue around creating the Green New Deal. There's a huge opportunity for businesses to step into their leadership role around that. We can be supportive if you want some ideas on how to be thought partners. And then finally, helping to lead the conversation inside your organization, inside your business, around what social equity is and why is that important. I think there's, there's a huge opportunity when we actually break out of just the environmental silo into the equity silo, into the social equity silo, um, into building power together, right? Um, I think for me, when we begin to do that, we actually can unlock some of the bigger powers that we can see in this country. Yeah, and one of the things that I've heard you speak to before and that is so part of my own personal passion for the, the equity piece of all of this is the extent to which we can't, we actually won't be effective in advancing our environmental sustainability agendas unless we really look at the social piece and put people at the center and in fact, one thing you speak to often is the extent to which starting there, looking at whatever your sustainability agendas are and, and who are the people who are currently being most disempowered and disenfranchised by the current system and how can we serve them first and foremost? Like That's where we really unlock the, uh, the greatest transformative potential. And it's not just you and I. So the yeah. Federal Reserve, I mean that very progressive leftist thinking organization, right? Um, the Federal Reserve, the World Bank, many of the 
studies have already shown that when you actually begin to address both equity and environmental concerns, it actually uplifts all boats. It's not a charity, it's not charity. It actually begins to improve the economy overall, it improves democracy, it improves your own business margins. It actually helps to create more innovation when we do that. So for us, what we begin to actually point to is the facts. Right, the facts are that studies after studies have shown that you cannot address truly the environmental issues without addressing the social equity issues because there's no wall high enough between our communities to keep the winds from blowing to the next you know, door neighbor. There's no um, you know, sea level walls deep enough that's actually gonna protect us from having the floods kind of come over this is a united ecosystem. We know that we talk about that in the environmental world, right? The importance of the bees to the trees to the animals. It's also true with humanity. It's also true with our community. Yeah. So I think when we begin to understand that, um, and you can begin to take that back into your business, we can actually begin to advance even greater change. Yeah, I want to go over to Heather in just a minute at Sidebar, but quickly I just want to pull on one more thread. I know. Um, the Green New Deal is something that a lot of people in this community are talking about. I think it's very emblematic of this bridge between the environmental and social equity piece that we're, that we're talking about. You have been doing a lot of work behind the scenes with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's team looking at what it would actually take to build a national movement around this. What, what should this community know about sort of the trajectory with that and where, if at all, they can really, we can plug in to, to advance uh, something that has such transformative potential. Yeah. Well, what I hope isn't happening is that people are sitting back in their seats and saying, wow, that sounds great, good luck with that. Um, that's not gonna work, right? I mean, we have a, just a bold, fierce leader in AOC, we call her, um, who's stepping forward to say, we can do more. And that clarion call has galvanized the country. And, and when she was out there, I think some people said, you know, started throwing kind of tomatoes and trying to like, you know, lodge criticisms around this ambition. Um, but I've been heartened to see that other amazing leaders like Kamala Harris and others have stepped forward to say, no, we got her back. This is aspirational, and yes, this country needs aspiration right now. But we can't leave our elected leaders out there to hang on them, you know, to dry by themselves. We need the business community. We saw the importance of that in the Paris Climate Agreements. We see the importance of that in this country right now. When we're, when we're at a place when we actually need to have people say, yes, this can be done, yes, we can move forward, is when the idea of the Green New Deal can actually happen. Keep in mind, that is what we saw in the original New Deal. The original New Deal required all of us coming together, whether you were conservationists or environmentalists, whether you were working on civil rights, whether you were working on um, transportation or transit or infrastructure issues, people coming together to say, yeah, and we can hold a piece of this and we can help lead a piece of this. At a time when people are stepping forward with great big ambition, it's the time when we say, we're in, we're gonna help you. It's not the time for us to step back. And so right now, I'm just, if there's any one call to action I would love for you guys to leave with is to lean into your power today, individually, organizationally, and institutionally. Lean into your power today and step into um, this space to say, how else can we help to do even more? Mm, beautiful. We have time for one quick question, Heather. Bien, thank you for your leadership. It's much appreciated. 
Uh, you mentioned you don't want this to be charity. It shouldn't be thought of as charity. So what are some examples of impactful, credible, specific things that companies could do to, to, to play to that role of environmental justice? Things, financing, is it jobs? What is it that you want to see? Um, well, I, I do want to encourage people, I mean, as much as I run a company, <laughs> you know, come join us, I, I even more importantly want you to invest in your community, whether you define that globally, whether you define that locally, whether you define that, you know, nationally, find an organization that you can really build with and help uplift and work together. And if you can't find them, I can help you. We can work together and we can bring in other folks. Um, I think bringing this and championing this in your own um, company is really important. If anything, I think what I hope my personal story tells a little bit about is, um, you know, I think it is in our right to say I have done enough. It is in our right to say I'm tired, I've done all that I can, I'm just gonna go home and binge watch the next season of X, Y, and Z. I think it is entirely in our right and we would be justified in doing so. But right now our country has 12 years left. We have communities that are being flooded and burned to the ground. California literally saw paradise burned to the ground. I live in a community. I live in Fruitvale. We are seeing our family members literally having a little less time to live every day. And while it is in our right and it is justified and no one will fault you, but it is now not only how much do we have to lose, but how much we have to gain this is a fight about a new way for us to redefine our relationship to each other, to other sectors, to the planet. It is a new opportunity for you to step into your power, to say, yeah, you know what? I'm gonna actually do more, fight more, and not from a place of shame or not from a place of, you know, whatever. It is from a place of love. And how do we invite other people to join you in that? Whether it's another community-based organization, whether it's ours, whether it's another company. How do you actually begin to invite each other to build power together? And when we do that right and well, not only, not only do we fight against the biggest ecological and existential threat right now, I think we actually can claim a future that is bright and beautiful. And that is entirely something that we can do leading out of here. So I hope that that is what can compel us you know, to step forward. And if nothing else, I hope you guys see my smiling, cheering face in, in the back of your mind, just cheering you on, rooting you on, and supporting you as you step into your power, as you step into your greatness. And I really, really hope I can support you in that. Well, Van, watching you and your vision and your leadership just rise and soar um, has been such a privilege over the years. And I urge all of you to connect with Vienne in 20 minutes. We only got into the top layer of the kinds of initiatives and visions that she and her team have brewing. Um, such an honor to have you be a part of the Green Biz community. Thank you for your vision and your leadership. Please join me in thanking Vienne. Thank you to you. You've been listening to Vien Trong, former president of DreamCorp, share her environmental justice vision through a personal lens and how business leaders can take charge at the Green Biz 19 conference in Phoenix, Arizona. For more Center Stage podcasts, go to greenbiz.com slash center stage. And while you're there, tune into Green Biz 350, our weekly podcast covering the news and the people behind the news in sustainable business and clean technology. From all of us here at Green Biz Group, I'm Joel McCower. Thanks for listening.